The interviews and discussions on this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello there, I'm your host Peter Strachan. Welcome to Stockhead's Rock Yarn. Altamin, formerly Alta Zinc, has been working to develop its Gorno zinc-lead silver deposits in the northern Italian Alps, not far from Lago di Como. The company has recently raised additional funds to update feasibility work over the Gorno project, beginning exploration work at the Punta Corner Nickel Cobalt project near the French-Italian border, and to progress a potential geothermal lithium brine project located not far from Rome's international airport, just 50 kilometres north of the capital. Here to bring us up to date with progress on multiple fronts, we are delighted to welcome the company's managing director, Jarrett Harris, from his bunker in Europe. Welcome, Jarrett. How's your Italian? Not as good as it could be, Peter, I'm afraid. Um, I keep telling people when they ask me, you know, when I'm going to improve, once the uh, once the projects are, are getting built, that's the time that I can relax and learn a bit of a t- bit more Italian. But uh, I'll, I'm doing my best along the way. And you've got good people there in charge of the project, anyway, the locals. So, uh, so long as the lines of communication are strong, that's good. So, what's the mood in uh, in Europe and Italy uh, amid Putin's war in Ukraine? Are you seeing? You've just arrived in the UK. Are you seeing any? you know, sort of raised eyebrows or pursed lips? I think the Italians have got exactly the same attitude as, you know, the rest of free Europe in in the fact that it's, you know, uh, roundly condemned and and everyone's watching the news with horror. In terms of travel, you know, there's no no issue. You know, I was was in uh, Italy last week and I'll be going there again today. Um, So thankfully that is is all fine. But of course, we're all... um, Watching the disruptions it's causing, uh, you know, to the to the poor human, um, you know, tails, and um, and of course the the impacts it's having, you know, throughout markets on on prices, especially with uh, you know for energy and petrol, etc. Yeah, it's a horrific events, but we'll just um, move back then to Altamin, and as we've said, metal price metal prices have moved favourably for Gorno with its. You know, six percent zinc now, about two, two and a bit percent copper, and your project with higher grades than that in many areas. Um, and from an in situ metal value in resource standpoint of view, uh, will Altman be upgrading its thirty five percent plus or minus accuracy scoping work to refine costs for the project now? Absolutely. So that's what we're doing now, Peter. We've just commence the metallurgical test work to try and improve the flow sheet both to take you know uh, reagent costs down uh, by simplifying and and hopefully um, improving recovery in some areas which would be really nice and then <clears throat> that just flows into uh, the definitive feasibility study which will be um, you know starting probably just after mid-year with the intention of completing by the end of the year and that will obviously have more detailed engineering than we have now. Although the, the current scoping study, the level of work in it is, you know, in many of the disciplines at PFS and in some areas at, at DFS. So we feel pretty confident in our numbers, but we're looking to 
um, try and optimize the project a bit more. Obviously, you know, there'll be a few bits and pieces that we've missed that we need to fill in. And, um, and also continue to drill out the resource. We'll be mobilizing the contract at the site end of this month, March, and then basically drilling continuously then to, to upgrade the resource for the DFS, both increase the, the amount of indicated so by upgrading the inferred material and then also expanding. So do you, uh, you've got a fair handle on the ore body shape and geometry and it's been mined before. So do, what sort of mining techniques are intended to be used there? We'll be using a mixture. In my past life, I had quite a lot of time at uh, Lachine Mine in Ireland, which was a similar carbonate hosted deposit owned by Anglo-American. And um, I spent a lot of time mine planning um, and, you know, doing other operational roles there. And we'll be using similar methods, which will be drift and fill, um, where the mineral is, you know, up to six metres high. We'll be using then long hole, um, so transverse long hole, where we've got uh, mineralisation dipping um, about 20 degrees. And then um, some, you know, good thick long hole stopes which will be uh, where we've got that mineralization flat, but, but thicker than six meters. So really a mixture of mining methods to fit the mineralization and therefore to, <clears throat> to maximize extraction, make it as efficient as possible and minimize dilution. That's the uh, target. And I assume the metallurgy is fairly well understood. It's sort of plain vanilla, lead, zinc, concentrate sort of action. It's excellent, actually. Um, even if I do say so myself, Peter, it's um, really simple to split the zinc and lead. And we've, we've got good recoveries on the zinc so far, 96%. And then we're in the uh, mid-70s for the lead. So we've got a 74% recovery for the lead, which we're looking to hopefully improve during this round of test work. And then both products the concentrate are very high grade so 63% for the zinc and about 75% for the lead grade yeah that is very high grade yeah very low impurity so we've got a metallurgy is definitely on our side here and uh, where would the uh, product go you know the are there smelters nearby how would you would you have to truck it or does it go on rail how does it get to the the customer the, the smelters so the transport method, we've got a few options. We've got um, a road, which is about a main uh, state road, which is about two and a half K from the portal. And then we've got uh, a rail line, main rail line from about 30 kilometers from the portal. So, and then of course, we've got several ports that we can, um, so we can have a mixture depending on who the customer is, ultimately, whether, you know, where they are in Europe, we've got a whole host of European smelters owned by, you know, the major companies, Belieden, Trafigur and Glencore, which are, um, I think they import about 50% of their smelter feed. So having a, you know, an increased domestic supply is going to help. And, um, and also having a clean supply of concentrate domestically in Europe, close to all that, you know, smelter infrastructure is obviously um, you know, quite a significant plus for the project. So really, depending on what the mix of rail and 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 sea is, um, that will depend on where the customer is situated. Yeah, so you'd have to put it on a ship. It goes out of the Mediterranean into northern Europe somewhere. Yeah, or just goes on the rail within Europe. Either way, the, the logistics are going to be quite easy. 
and during the DFS um, probably completion phase, we will be you know discussing or maybe earlier the uh, you know where the offtake is going to go and what's going to be most favourable for the project because obviously you give away um, quite a bit of cost with an offtake in terms of treatment charges, uh, smelter charges, transportation costs. So we want to get the best bang for the buck. And, and that means hopefully getting paid the best commercial terms for, for being able to produce a very clean, high-grade concentrate, which is much in demand for smelters. Yeah, if you've got a, a premium high-grade product with no arsenic in it, then they should, should be giving you a premium. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've, we've put some of that benefit in the scoping study. Um, as I said, it's been very well done. That was based on a detailed um, concentrate marketing uh, piece of work that we did uh, with an external consultant, and really the you know the the benefits of this project in terms of you know recovery, low mining cost, and um, and those low TCs you know compared to our peers will all contribute to making this a very low cost uh, producer. Yeah, the treatment costs should be quite modest. So, uh, how what sort of feel do you have, Darren, for the estimated? total cash costs for zinc produced at Gorno after lead and silver credits? Oh, that's a very good question. Let me, um, I think our C1 cash costs are around, well, actually, yeah, let's talk about the two. C1 cash costs in US dollars, we've calculated around about 1,200. And then all in sustaining cost are around about um, 1,300 and up to 1,350. Yeah, and that compares with the current the current zinc price of uh, it's been over four thousand dollars a ton in the last couple of weeks, but back to sort of three thousand seven hundred or something today. Yeah, so in this market, if we were producing today, we'd have a massive margin, and it's um, our payback at two thousand eight hundred and fifty zinc was um, just a, just over two years from start of uh, production. So we've got a very you know, quick payback. And the nice thing about this project and what really attracted me is it's so open geologically and not just, you know, open in a sort of promoter sense, but we've got real, you know, we've got real mineral hits from historical, not just historical drill holes, but also you can actually get into the, um, the old tunnels and see the mineralization as far out as, you know, eight, kilometers plus from where we're currently exploring so Jared, i saw that you had a drill hole um late last year about 300 320 meters from the existing ore body which was a spectacular you know sort of 30 percent combined lead and zinc uh, can, can you tell us about that and, and what you're planning to do to try and find out how much more of that mineralization there is yeah i'll tell you about that so that's that's to the north um the mine's been open from, you know, from the south to the north, and, and each level is open on, on fifty meter intervals. So we've got lots of access. But we've since we stopped drilling uh, at the end of last year, we've been conducting a detailed survey mapping review to to really plan the next stage of drilling. And in that, we um, we'd hit what with one of our holes. I think it was in about uh, September, uh, about November actually. We hit um, a good slug of mineralization, and then we were, at, but then that that uh, hole went into a drive, so we lost the end of it. 
anyway, so we found where that um, that tunnel uh, intercepted the drill hole or vice versa, took a channel sample and we ended up with 39% zinc in the channel sample and I think 18, 19% in the drill hole. Total combined thickness was about five meters. So that's opened up a new area because we've gone in and mapped that now. And we're looking forward to opening a new portal this year in that area because the, the, there's an old portal, but it's just been closed. Um, and then being able to get in there and drill because that's a brand new area to the north that has, looks like it's got the same very high grade thrust mineralization that we were drilling in the Pian Bracket corridor, as you say, it's about 350 meters to the south. It's really nice to be able to get underground and see this and touch it because it just, you know, it gives you a lot more knowledge of what you're going for. What sort of environmental approvals and so forth are required in Italy? Have they tightened up their regulations there? Or we've seen obviously Rio Tinto and others having some issues with their lithium project in Central Europe. You know, great question, because I think Australian investors are always concerned about that. So we obviously have to um, abide by the Italian environmental um, regulations and obviously safety regulations, which are, you know, extremely tight and and quite rightly so. But it doesn't stop us doing anything. We opened a portal um, last year and we, we gained all the surface permissions for that. So we'll just go through the same process this year. It takes a little bit of time, probably, you know, um, three and a half, four months to get permission, but a, a bit of paperwork, of course. But everything's very doable in Italy. And I think the problem with, you know, some mines is the stakeholder approval isn't there. People don't want the mine or, um, you know, the population don't want it. We've got quite the opposite position in Gorna because this mine was open and people are, people consider themselves sons and daughters of the mine. If you listen to you know, the local mayor, uh, we had a public meeting on Saturday, which had about 200 attendees. <clears throat> and I think for the first time in my life, I got a round of applause. Let's move on to the uh, the nickel cobalt exploration project at Punta Corner. What's the history there? Was there a mine there or is it just a known mineralisation? No, there was a mine there in the 1600s first and it ran till about the 1800s, but just working seasonally. So, you know, reasonably extensive showings, but obviously the technology was so um, basic, you know, transportation on the back of a donkey, um, gunpowder and hand stealing that... um, and no drill holes, of course. So, what's your what's your approach to exploration? What's what's your approach to exploration on that one, then, Garen? Drill it this year, um, if possible. So, we're waiting on licenses, which we expect um, in the next sort of you know month or so, and then um, wait for the snow to go and uh, mobilize a drill contract. Obviously, that's pending funding, but. We think that's a very exciting prospect. So May, June, you hope to be drilling? Probably June, July. Well, that's going to be quite exciting. The price of cobalt is $71,000 a tonne, $71.50 a kilogram, and uh, nickel prices, of course, gone ballistic as well. So uh, further, this new project, you've got the uh, geothermal brines, very early stage, but the geothermal brines have been used in Italy for power generation and heating for generations, since the Romans, I guess. And um, Altamans gained access to these brines, which have quite high grades of lithium dissolved in them. What's the 
the way forward for this project? It's very early days now, Peter, but you know, pr probably something similar to what you know Vulcan Energy is looking to do in Germany. So that's, um, and, and I think Cornish Lithium as well down in Cornwall from the granites there. The difference being, you know, when you look at uh, global grades, you know, in situ, you know, really, really good uh, geothermal uh, lithium grades are about 200 ppm. Looks like this area could have, you know, more like 300 and also very high geothermal gradients. So we'll, once we get the license awarded, we'll, we'll do a, um, we'll have access to the historical data and, and then, you know, that'll be our starting point. And then we'll look to reaccess the wells, do our own sampling because there are wells on the project and uh, see from that, you know, see what the appropriate techno, uh, technology route is. So you really have to feel your way with the metallurgy as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, as I said, it's early days, but hopefully we can make quite good progress in you know, a short amount of time for not very much money because some work has already been done on the project. And what we thought is we, we're in Italy, this is our backyard, and our um, modus operandi is to develop you know, brownfield sites into new mines um, and pick what we think are the best of the crop in Italy for those mines with base and battery metals on them. So it fits into that strategy. So when do you think you'll be actually on the ground on this once the permits are granted? Will that be in the second half of the year, more likely? Yeah, probably around about mid-year. We'll see. I mean, they've been very efficient in that um, region. And unusually, that region handles all the, um, with geothermal, handles the environmental approval and the granting of the permits in one stop shop. Uh, whereas in our other regions, for instance, at Gorno and Punta Corna, we, the environmental assessment goes to Rome, to central government, and then once that's completed, it's up to the regional government then to issue the permit. So we've got a two-step process, which is generally a little bit slower. Yeah, and it depends on whether you can just um, extract the water and discard it or whether you have to re-inject it, all of those sort of things will go through. But we've got the precedent that it's, as you say, Geothermal energy is well understood in Italy and lithium is on the critical minerals list. So people very, you know, there's a lot of battery plants, a lot of gigafactories, as they call them, being built in Europe now, needing both cobalt and lithium. So we've got, we think we're playing to a market that is very much, um, you know, in need of our product. So Garrett, you've just raised some additional cash. How are you going to allocate that funding through the year? Just briefly. Drilling at Gorno is um, is going to start, as I said, quite soon. And then um, DFS, <clears throat> and as I said, we'll be, you know, pending funding. We've, you know, the, we'll be trying to get onto the ground at Punta Corner and start that drill campaign. And and obviously that would be the rest of the activities are quite low cost. You know, the copper licenses we're we're waiting on as well. There's going to be a lot of historical data available for those so we can actually really understand mostly what we've got from historical data and some cheap on the ground um, um, analysis. So really, from for the cash, it's those two projects, Gorno and Under Corner. Jared, thanks for coming in to talk with Stockheads Rockyarn today and uh, we'll watch out through the next six to eight months is going to be plenty of drilling and uh, activity on those three main projects. Thanks for having me, Peter. It's been a real pleasure.